You can subscribe to The Spectator for 12 weeks for only £12 for our print and online editions, plus get six months of digital access free to The Telegraph. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash telegraph. Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. It's only a few days since I interviewed Ed Condon, Vatican Bureau Chief of the Catholic News Agency, about the Pope's sudden defenestration of his former Chief of Staff, Cardinal Angelo Becciu, following allegations that the latter used his position to steal or misuse hundreds of millions of dollars of church money. But since then, there have been two major developments – one of them quite astonishing and the other merely profoundly disturbing. And taken together, they suggest that, firstly, Betchew's wrongdoing was even more spectacular than we imagined, and secondly, that even if Betchew, who's been stripped of the rights of a cardinal, is convicted of serious crimes, either by the Vatican State or by Italy, the corrupt ethos of this pontificate will still be left largely intact. So, first, that astonishing development. On Friday, the Italian press reported that Becciu's former henchman, one Monsignor Palasca, is alleging that Becciu transferred €700,000 to Australia during the trial on fabricated sex abuse charges of Cardinal George Pell, the former head of the Secretariat for the Economy, who quite simply had discovered what Betchu was up to. Now, let's be clear. As we speak, we don't know if Palaska's telling the truth, though it will be a very odd thing to make up, and he is desperately trying to protect his own very tarnished reputation. We also don't know these rather basic things. What the money, if it was indeed sent down under, was for, and who was the ultimate intended beneficiary, and how might it have been sent. My sources remind me that Betchu is fabulously ingenious when it comes to covering his tracks, so simply sending so much cash to the Australian nunciature would be uncharacteristically crude. But please note, the Pope has this week met the nuncio to Australia, Archbishop Adolfo Tito Ilana, originally from the Philippines, in Rome, presumably to ask him about Palasca's claim that the Vatican tried to pervert the course of justice in Australia. Ilana is a friend of Betchu's, has been since they studied together at the Vatican's Diplomatic Academy in the 1980s, but that may just be a coincidence. What we can say is that this latest twist in the scandal brings us closer to the moment when, inevitably, we will discover something about Cardinal Pearl's accuser, whose anonymity is protected by the Australian courts in a ruling that appears to cover this country as well. Let's just say that it will be interesting to see what happens when the information does come to light and to watch the reaction of an Australian media that had invested so heavily in the credibility of the accuser. Now for the second development this week, which is less bizarre than the Palaska story, but arguably even more alarming. 
We learned on Monday that the Pope has set up a commission to determine which of the Vatican's economic activities should remain confidential. And its terms of reference suggest that those activities which will remain confidential include just about any transaction that people might reasonably want to know about, such as, for example, any money flowing from China to the Vatican. But here's the really shocking thing. The commission will be headed by the American-born Cardinal Kevin Farrell, Prefect of the Dicastery for the Laity. Now, to quote the title of a well-known novel, we need to talk about Kevin. It's a matter of public record that Cardinal Farrell was a very close associate of Uncle Ted, the ex-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, former Archbishop of Washington, and an abuser of vulnerable young men on an industrial scale. Farrell shared an apartment with his mentor McCarrick when he was serving as one of his auxiliary bishops. And yet, when it was finally revealed that McCarrick was completely obsessed with seducing young men, Farrell said he knew nothing about it. Which was odd, given that every well-connected priest in America, and many in Rome, were thoroughly familiar with the rumours. Indeed, the Vatican had years earlier compiled a fat dossier on McCarrick's predatory activities, one that Pope Francis didn't read despite being told of its existence almost as soon as he became Pope, and one that Farrell didn't read either. I spoke to a very well-informed source yesterday who told me, you know, if there was one person about whose existence the Pope really oughtn't to be reminding people just at the moment... It's Kevin Farrell. Not, I hasten to add, because Farrell's suspected of committing any offences, but because his I-never-noticed-a-thing line of defence has been greeted with universal scepticism, to put it politely. And if we are indulgent enough to take him at his word, why? Why would Francis entrust these scrutinising duties to someone so myopically naive? Actually, I don't think Farrell is naive at all. This appalling appointment is entirely characteristic of a Pope who, when Cardinal Donald Whirl was forced to resign from Washington for lying about what he knew about McCarrick, clearly didn't want to accept Whirl's resignation and has, disgracefully, kept Whirl on the all-powerful Congregation for Bishops. And let me take this opportunity to remind you of the case of Bishop Gustavo Zanchetta, a friend of Cardinal Bergoglio's, who was made bishop as soon as Bergoglio became pope, and whose mismanagement of the finances of his Diocese of Iran in Argentina was so spectacular that he had to resign. And he also faces charges, which he denies, of aggravated continuous sexual assault of seminarians back in Argentina. And what did Pope Francis do when Zanchetta had to resign his see in disgrace? He brought his famously financially incompetent friend over to the Vatican, where he made him an administrator of the Vatican Central Reserve Bank. At this stage, I'm wondering, what will it take before the world wakes up to the fact that Pope Francis presides over the most corrupt government in Western Europe? We can and should blame the mainstream media for ignoring or misreporting these matters. 
But bear in mind that the mainstream media depends on information coming from specialist reporting by Vatican correspondents. And quite a few Vatican correspondents at the moment are either deeply compromised by their closeness to corrupt prelates, or so ideologically biased, you can guess in which direction, as to render their reporting worse than useless. They know who they are, and it's gratifying to see them beginning to panic as the Vatican begins to look ever more like Richard Nixon's White House. And incidentally, I once met two of the leading Watergate conspirators, John Ehrlichman and Charles Colson. And I have to say that certain members of Francis's entourage make them look like amateurs. It's interesting that some of these journalists don't seem unduly bothered by the fact that the Vatican is endlessly delaying the release of its promised report into the activities of Theodore McCarrick. Such a report will have no credibility at all if it doesn't thoroughly investigate the question of what Cardinal Farrell knew. And also why Pope Francis, knowing full well what McCarrick was suspected of, chose to bring him out of retirement and use him as a negotiator in the Vatican's sinister dealings with Beijing. It's no surprise, therefore, that the Vatican has been in no hurry to produce this report. But how does it get away with it? Let's just say that it helps to have a Vatican press corps, some of whose members actively suppress stories that might reflect badly on the pontiff. They're not so much reporters as professional firefighters, and I have to say that they've been doing a pretty good job, judging by the lamentable lack of coverage of Vatican scandals in the world's media. You might be thinking, if only Francis could follow Benedict's example and resign. But he won't, and actually can't, because he'd obviously be doing so under outside pressure, and that would automatically invalidate his resignation. So I can offer only a tiny scrap of silver lining amid this chaos and corruption. This was the week Pope Francis chose to publish a left-wing pamphlet, which, being Pope, he was able to dignify with the status of a papal encyclical. It's called Fratelli Tutti. I read it so you don't have to. But, alas, I can't summarise it because its globalist waffle is so forgettable that I've already forgotten it. (laughs) 